Blog Talk Radio. I am really starting to like that music. I, I like it. I just <laughs> I get I get a little pumped up when I hear it. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Mark Eastman uh, from www.ruscreening.com. And I am here again with Shane Leonard. Hello. And this week we are going to be dissecting to some degree American Reunion. And I'm I'm not sure how that's going to go over. But we are with you for up to an hour. We might uh, decide not to take an hour. We might decide to talk about other things. But here we are, and I do want to mention, hopefully there will be some uh, live listeners. There were a few last week, and we have the chat open. We are paying attention to it, so, you know, chime right in, and we will... Pro- probably just talk about what you say. I don't right. know if we'll actually go back well, it'd be interesting. in the chat. I'm looking forward to the first person. We've had a few people pop in, and we, we're we sitting here, and we're having a conversation, and it just happens that we, we are watching it, but we look over and point and say, hey, look, someone's here. You know, right. And then we're, I, I tried to type fast last time, but I had... I didn't have the dexterity to do it as quick as I wanted, and I think they left before. But if right. you're there, by all means, engage, and we will try to engage back. And Right. And you you can also call in. We could be open to taking a call. Yeah. And uh, actually, I think I have discovered that you can't be listening to this right now without the phone number in front of you. So I don't need oh. to go through the whole saying the phone number. It's there. If you're If you're online listening to this, you can see the phone number. So... Uh, without any more introduction, <laughs> without I guess. any more uh, putting it off, we have to get ready. Uh, American the reunion. reunion. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off actually with two quick things. Um, <laughs> one is I don't want people who uh, listen to the show to start getting the idea that we are major film snobs. Right. Because, exactly. Because last We're really not actually. last I'm, week, Wrath of the Titans. <laughs> Yeah, was, we were a little hard to please with that. Was hor- was horrible. This is not going to be a positive experience. Probably not. Probably not so well. But no, we are not. You know, we don't. We don't go to a, a theater wearing our French berets, hoping it's going to be in black and white. You know, only hitting up the espresso machine. You know, we're not that kind of snobby film goer. I'm a little bit. I am not. I am actually ridiculously easy to please as long as the effort is put forth by the film. Right. Uh, don't just produce something to get me to buy a Happy Meal so that I can get the collectible toy for Stifler in this regard. You know, I did right. do something to engage me, and I'm more than happy to give you 90 minutes of my attention, and I'm very easy to just be entertained with what you're trying to do. But try to do something. Right. And And I probably am a little bit on the snobby side for the most part. But even I, as I think I've already said, even right here, but uh, I've obviously said tons of times on the site, uh, you know, I'm willing to let a movie... uh, I have a lot more openness, I guess, maybe, than a lot of critics to what movies are trying to be and being okay with that, as long as they actually then do it and do it well. But it doesn't have to be you know, Schindler's List for right. me to go, this is an acceptable <laughs> exactly. movie to right. try to be right. or something like that. Well, it, it, for you, they have to do it and they have to do it well or they have to aim to do it and try hard. Like, maybe they don't succeed. Like, I thought Wrath of the Titans actually tried very hard to do what it was going to do, hopefully well, and just didn't get it. And I was still okay with that, though I was... Well, I, I'm not even sure I'd give you that in the Wrath of the Titans yeah. All right. one. Um, no, uh, probably not, like... Uh, what I I also have said several times in my career as a critic is I would rather see somebody try to do something really cool and fail right. than see somebody try to do something that really sucks and succeed brilliantly right. yeah. at it. You know, I mean, <laughs> to do exactly that yeah. garbage and make exactly what they were trying to do, or just play it safe. You know, you know, you know the the. Uh, recipe for this film is going to be X, Y, and Z, you know, 
throw in a little bit. Do something else. Try to try to surprise right. your audience. Right. Try to try to really appreciate the audience and maybe give them something else right. um, along the way. And if you do X, Y, and Z, then great. Right. Well, and I mean, we don't I, we don't need to go forever on this, but I just didn't want it. it it's just like the timing of the thing has worked right. out that whatever the <laughs> fairly big thing coming out that week has been stuff that just did not work. Right. So um, so let me guess what you thought of. We're obviously <laughs> trying to avoid talking about American Reunion as much as we can. But the one thing I wanted to say just to kick off American Reunion, the one thing that I will give it is that it lets you know where you are right out of the gate. Yeah. Because it starts off with, uh, this whole masturbation thing, right? And uh, I mean, we've got married, there's the child involved, we're kind of making fun of sex in general with the whole bed yeah. shaking, and it turns out it's trying to get the baby to go to sleep. And, right. then we, and then we jump right into this masturbation idea, which what I thought was really interesting about that in a you know, very broad use of the word interesting was that <laughs> you know that could there could be a different movie where what we want to make some kind of actual statement about is this whole lack of intimacy you know both people are uh, in separate rooms right not having sex with each other when clearly they could be right and, you know, there could be some dialogue around that and how relationships work and the whole thing. But instead, what we do is this completely goofball idea of masturbation. I mean, because this is the move we were in, and now it's like there's the sock and the whatever's going on. But, right. but clearly it was like, you know, kind of the, the stupidest, version of yeah of was, looking at that that you could get right i think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so right away it's like the movie goes this is what we're doing yeah right <laughs> so well, you know where you are it wasn't embarrassed about what it well, like what you said it wasn't embarrassed about what it was going to be about or the pretense to get it there it just and that's part of the appeal of i mean look if you're if the backbone of your series is about a guy fornicating a baked good Really, how many you know punches can you pull? You know, everybody knows what they're going to get when they sit down to watch an American Pie movie. And why waste time? Oh, uh, well, okay. Mm. Except that you know, the first one worked for me. This is, you know, I was <laughs> and, thinking of. Okay, go ahead. And in a in a way, it's the same kind of, uh, I guess, mostly juvenile-ish comedy, but. <laughs> But it gave it to you in a way that it it still was funny and it wasn't just ridiculous. I guess I don't know. I mean, I I think I, I think this ties into one of one of my principal thoughts about the whole experience of seeing this the other day, which is how fast these movies, especially the first movie, became dated. You can you can say. This is 13 years, and a lot of a lot has happened in 13 years. But man, those jokes and those characters and those situations—they got old quick, right? And they don't seem to know that. This is this is actually something I'm going to pin on the writers. You know, they they're very famous for, if anything, the Harold and Kumar trilogy. Sure. And that first film was really fun. I enjoyed that much more than I thought I would. Never never being a big um, stoner myself. But always appreciating a good Cheech and Chong joke, right, that's right. fine, you know. But I never thought that a, a big pothead film like Harold and Kumar would be as entertaining to me as it was. And I loved that movie. I had big hopes for the second film, and I thought the second film was so hollow and so terrible. Right. Um, and in part because of how great the first film was and how, how just effortless it felt for that first film to be made. All the jokes were so unexpected and uncanny and terribly funny to me. And then to see that try to be forced and coerced into the second movie, right. that showed me just how hard it is to capture that kind of lightning. In this in this regard, all the stuff that I thought American Pie had originally was funny. I, I'm with you. I thought the first film was, was very entertaining. I thought it was a lot of fun. 
but to put those characters, this is why you know TV shows have to end at a certain time because you got Fonzie who's 60 years old sure. still banging on jukeboxes, or you know maybe there's a better contemporary um, show to be using. It's just they get stale, they get old, right. and this certainly showed that 13 years of whatever number of movies, and I know there have been a lot of direct to to video ones, but there have been right. four of this. Cast Eugene right. Levy excluded. He's been in everyone. Right. God bless him. Uh, it, it just they they petered out a long time ago and they got old. Right. And I understand the idea, whether it was a, a afterthought or whether it was premeditated, that look, we're going to do the famous teen sex romp, which is you're still in high school and your your objective is you're going to lose your virginity, all of you. You're going to make a pact, and whether you're at summer camp or in study hall or wherever, this is this is your objective. Right. And the next movie is always about coming home after graduation. Now you're all in college, and supposedly the sex is crazier and the jokes are crazier. Okay, I get that. We both, for the record, missed the third installment, which is somebody got married. I assume it was Jim and Michelle from right. what we saw. but The, the married people. Got, right. right. So right. there's the whole litany of jokes about the married life and okay you've graduated college now so obviously we're growing with these characters and now the next basic idea is to have a reunion right After- and and i think also you know but uh, there's a lot built into this movie also not just of the reunion but of the whole you know where we are in our lives now just like you know now we're in college now we're married and now we're kind of at that whole okay there's a kid and it's like you know every all there is in life is like going to work coming home there's a kid go yep. to bed and so we're at that stage and one of the things that's actually kind of uh, I will say legitimately sort of interesting about this movie is seeing that from kind of the perspective of the different uh, different people they didn't do anything very well with it but the fact that we have, okay, you know, center stage, married couple, then we have, you know, the somebody's kind of made it yeah. and is successful but does not have that same kind of, you know, the settled the personal down life. Right. The professional life is exceeding, the personal <clears throat> life right. is lacking. Then, then we have mm-hmm. another guy <clears throat> has that life only, you know, uh, almost far too well because right. now it's all the joke that he's watching Desperate Housewives right. or whatever right. stuck at home whatever that is yeah and then you know Stifler is just still right. back in the first movie right and kind of just you know the whole dynamic of of those perspectives coming together not that I didn't just do that whole idea better you know <laughs> service than yeah. the movie ever did but. right right but that was actually kind of interesting, at least that, you know, there's like a spark kind of in there somewhere. There is there is somebody has like a napkin somewhere yeah. where it was like, so it'll be kind of this and it'll yeah. be kind of this. And there's a good movie you can make with that napkin. Yeah. This just yeah. is not it at all. Well, I've seen I've seen films – certainly you don't want to take away what works greatest about the American Pie films. And there are things that work great for them. Um, You don't want to take that and make a movie that it isn't. You don't want to make this into some hyper-dramatic, you know, occasional try-to-be-a-comedy type of film. No, sure. There are reunion films that are very funny, but they're more, you know, they're more emotionally driven, like Beautiful Girls. Beautiful Girls, in my mind, has a great cast of guys and women that come back home and they're dysfunctional, they're trying to fit in, they're trying to remember what it was like to sure. be around one another and while regressing into those states but trying to mature into their own situations. That movie's, right. that movie's a home run for things like that. There's this a, just didn't want to be it, and that's okay. Right. There's, but, a, there's like a whole spectrum of films that are in the general realm of what's going on here. I mean, even like Indian Summer. Or something. Yeah, another is, great one is yeah. still like the kind That's of fun kind of the general idea of this whole coming backness, and and you can't make this movie and just go okay now we're just gonna completely shift gears and not really be an American Pie movie right at all, but <clears throat> you know tying into uh, kind of what you were saying about you know the first one works, 
The second one just doesn't work, and it, and it just doesn't play out. And then you get you get the same dynamic in the Harold and Kumar movie, right. and it goes, and it it reminds me almost of you know like the sophomore album of yeah. you know so many bands like right when we have all this time that we're playing songs and perfecting songs and everything like that, and then we get our first album and it comes out and it's awesome, and then. You know, some guy in a suit says, you got seven months or something right. to record your next album, yep. go make it happen. Yeah. And then they come out with their next album, and it's crap, right? right? Right. And you got the same kind of thing going on here. And what I did think was a little strange is that why do this movie now at all? I mean, it's like yeah. the time is past. You've got years and years and years of if you're trying to – you know, come together with something. Yeah. And why have this awful of a thing be what comes out now? If you're going to do it now, if you're going to come out with this now, come come out with something. And I didn't expect them to go, okay, now it's not an American Pie movie at all. Right. But I was really thinking going into it that we were going to have something more like, you know, let's, switch up the comedy a little to these people are older now and uh you know i i mean we throw stifler in and he's kind of the one who he's brings the about foil. all he's of the, puck, the right he's the puckish uh, character so he's easy to use as the foil but right but i i did kind of expect that it would be a little bit more like okay when we met these people in high school this is what they thought was funny because it was high school and so this is the kind of comedy we're going to be but those people actually grow up, right. and maybe they don't quite think that, you know, the taking a dump in a cooler <laughs> is like the height of comedy anymore, Spoiler. and maybe they will go for something else. Right. And that's just not what it was. It was, yeah. it was older people forced into a situation that has some merit. The, yeah. the situation all alone, but then, you know, thrown in with comedy that's even more juvenile right. than the first right. one. Right. I mean, even and maybe that's part of the allure for people. I should I should remind remind you, but uh, say to everyone else that when we went to see this movie after it was done, I told you I thought we were the only two people in the in the theater that didn't really love it. Like there were people that we're laughing, having oh, yeah. a great time. And this may be the type of thing that this fan base for the American Pie films, whether because they really love the first one or they just can identify so much with the foils of like Stifler or Jim and what weird internet sexual accident is he going to have this time. Right. You know, maybe maybe this is one of those things where, no, I can see how a fan of the series and how it's built for them would love it. And still appreciate that, but also say it's not—it's not the end-all, be-all of the new age of comedy. It's more like a—it's more like that awkward encore that you have for something that you really enjoyed, but you should have probably put it away by now. Like all—all all the things that happened in the movie when I was watching it, I just thought this is still so dated a movie at this point. Not because the original came out 13 years ago, but because it's been it's been bested by things like The Hangover and Bridesmaids. Like, that is the new outrageous comedy now. Right. And when American Reunion, you're watching it, you kind of feel like it's trying real hard to, to capture that, but it can't because the characters aren't evolved or maybe in some cases aren't advanced enough to get to that point. But comedy has changed. Comedy is a very fluid creature. Right. And what's funny for a year or two years or even six months, can get stale and, and old quick. And I think that was, in a lot of ways, one of the biggest problems here, is that what they were trying to do was just already old. Right. Well, and I think that's, uh, you know, you were talking about the writers, and I think that's a good point where whether or not uh, people who watch the movie at the same time we watched it liked the movie. I don't know if I would necessarily say that everybody in the theater loved it, but they clearly had a much more positive reaction than we did. But even if people are going to go see this movie and are going to like it, I think you still have to 
take the writers to task for yeah. making this movie anyway. Yeah. Mostly because it's like they didn't even try with this one. You know, the second movie did not really work that well, but they were trying. This movie is like it was written in an hour and a half by a 13-year-old. I mean, it, yeah, everything it, that happens is so just cut and paste from, mm-hmm. you know, screenwriting 101 of how does this plot step lead to the next. Right. And every joke is goofy and horrible, and a lot of the time is spent, you know, just kind of reminiscing with the other movies, which, you know, has a certain place, I guess. But it wasn't even like, you know, man, that was a success. We have to make another movie quick, and we're trying to knock something out, and it didn't really work. This was just like not trying yeah. at all. I mean, it was so usually when so you, low. Yeah, usually when you see this, in my opinion, like you see like a fourth installment of of a series, and you're like, wow, they're really, right, and it, they're back for a paycheck, and it comes you know, out, and it comes really, out four years later. Right, right, I mean, right exactly. Like right I mean, you you normally have somebody who's been like a superstar, and is doing a favor to the other actors or or crew that didn't make it. You know, they 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 right. know everybody needs money, and it's not just this cut and dried. But basically, you have somebody who's like Mel Gibson never had to do, do another Lethal Weapon film past the second one. Never right. had to do the second one, but you know, clearly, sure, he did. You know, he did four of them, and by the time he got to the fourth one, you know, you just got to understand that you know probably the crew is really fun to be around. Probably it's a really awesome time, but there are other people who can't get the work you're getting. And it's kind of a favor to go back and, and do something like that. Sure. I didn't even get that feeling with this. Right. It didn't feel like anyone was doing anyone a favor. You know, certainly the writers to us, but but it just didn't feel like it, – it almost felt like that somebody, like you said, somebody just had the most cliff note version of the characters and decided to write a continuation. Like, well, imagine them when they're, you know, 35 – you know, what's their life like? Oh, right. well, I guess, you know, one of them is going to go into the bathroom and the other is going to stay in the bedroom. And that's, you know, like the opening scene. Right. It, it just, it didn't feel like whoever wrote it knew the characters at all. And, you know, even here's just part of maybe the weirdness of making film that sometimes you have to really look at how does it happen when you're thinking about, you know, what you're watching yeah, because I could really see even I mean I'm joke I joke about like the napkin, but I could even see like a a pretty decent, really rough version of this script that works. I mean, you know the opening scene kind of works on paper probably. I sure. mean if you're not too descriptive of, about mm-hmm. about how stupid the whole sock thing is, right. and it's like we just have to go with the sock deal because that's what movie we're in, right? Even if, you know, there's a legitimate kind of story to tell there Mm -hmm. about their relationship and where relationships go and, you know, whatever. But there's – if you don't write the word sock, right, there's a a pretty legitimate version of just that scene on paper where somebody might go, yeah, I can see where this is going and and, and how that comes together and everything. And – even with a lot of the movie, you know, you've got, uh, you know, I'm not going to remember anybody's name, just almost on purpose, but... Um, Sadly, I remember them all. Uh, you know, what's his name? Who's Jim? The sports guy. Oz. The, the, Oz. He's, he's the sportscaster. Yeah, Oz. Oz? Yep. All right. Well, anyway... <laughs> So he has his, you know, hanger-on kind of girlfriend who's trying to live the, you know, fabulous life, yeah. the fabulous life because she's latched onto him versus, you know, he's going back and, you know, he rekindles things with uh, Mina Savari. Yep. And I really do know all the names. You know, there, there's there's a paperwork version of that thread of the story that right. is perfectly fine too. It's just that you don't actually get it because we're so buried in in you know parts like where uh, with like the swinging conversation, yeah, w- which was almost kind of funny. 
Yeah, that came close. Um, <clears throat> because with the whole, uh, so you know, swing. I'm just kidding, right? Uh, unless, y- unless you, you want to, yeah, <laughs> right? And you know, that was you know, there's there's that whole partial storyline that you know, I I could really see that there's some script, uh, some version uh, of an early script to this that you were pitching this around with, going, ah, eh, we want to come back and do this again. Yeah, that. I could see selling yeah. pretty easily, but yeah. then once you get to the final product and uh, everything is just you know such like toilet humor and yeah. nonsensical kind of comedy, like you know he wakes up, he doesn't have his pants on, and then is he's standing in the kitchen, and then and then everyone comes in, and he's trying to hide, and it's like you know that was. That was funny, like so long ago. Like I mean, years ago, <laughs> right. like back in 1999, it was funny. And it really is. Yeah. It really is a lot of things that are like when you're a high school student and you find yourself in this situation, and you have a ability to kind of talk about it or spin it in a way that you know belies your high school years because you're actually using lines that come from people with a little bit more wit than the actual average teenager, right? Right. Then it can be funny. Right. But now you're 35 and you're in that same situation and it's not, it's not funny anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And I I, I don't even know. It's, it's just so weird to just see all that stuff. It, It, it got to be really quickly, uh, horrendously boring to watch for yeah. something that is supposed to be like a celebration, uh, right? Basically. I mean, yeah. uh, comedy. Well, and you know, there were all these things too about that. We talked about this before the the target audience for those films, especially in '99. Um, you know, 16 to 21 years old. And if you flash forward 13 years, this is probably supposed to be reflective of the core audiences. Um, original position now, you know, they should be having kids, going to reunions, though a 13-year reunion is kind of an odd, right. you know, they cover that in the story, you know, they say the 10-year reunion wasn't really taken seriously, so why not a 13? Uh, and that's fine, you know, that, that I don't have a big problem with that, that's not a big deal breaker, that's just a, a minor bump you have to explain, but maybe in that regard, that's where the allure of some of this comes for the audience, is that you can identify with characters you love, who did hilarious things while they were at band camp, you know, right. and now I wonder what they're doing at this stage of their lives, like where I'm at right now. And maybe there's a cross-identifying factor there for some people to really dig um, that story. For me, it wasn't there. I've seen too many films. I've seen too many stories. Right. And I, it's not that I wasn't able to identify with that humor, um, though I can safely and proudly say I didn't have to identify with those issues in high school. I never I never got caught humping an apple pie, you know, by my dad. Nothing like that. Um uh but maybe that's maybe that's where this is working towards or from and all the while just not knowing that the landscape has changed. That 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 it's not saying that this can't be successful, but that what is seemingly more powerful nowadays is things like bridesmaids. Things right. like The Hangover. I mean, there was a point, like what you just said, when Jim wakes up in the kitchen naked, you know, surrounded by crushed Doritos, and, <laughs> right. and all of a sudden people come in. You and I both looked at each other and were like, this seems really familiar. Right. And, of course, we knew what we were saying. We were being coy, but it was just I expected to see a tiger in the corner and Mike right. Tyson in the bath. You know, just it's been done and it's being done. Um and at this stage, people are doing it better. You know, my, my theory on if you want to see a really great American Pie movie, you know, watch the first one. You know, and if the first one's not handy, throw the second one in. You'll probably be okay. But if you really want to know what's going on with these characters, because you are, you know, this movie resonated with you for some reason in the beginning, then, you know, then you're probably going to check this out. And maybe you will or won't be disappointed by it. But it just... It didn't have the emotional I, I, or comedic impact that things like Bridesmaids and The Hangover do at this point. Right. I think if you, if you're looking for that movie, it, it's out there, but this isn't it. But it's right. already been made. But right. you know, the thing is that um, 
like you were talking about with the hangover there's just there's so much stuff in this movie that what i don't what i what really irks me about it is that there's so much stuff in this movie that not only has been done before but you know when we saw it 10 15 times ago that we saw it right. it was already a goofy cliche right. that had already been in a million movies. I mean, we got like the passed out drunk girl that we have to sneak into the house. Yeah. I mean, I don't need to see that again ever. Right. I right. mean, it and it, it comes it we get to it by such like goofy walks up the drive to his parents' house or whatever and you know, the next-door neighbor is the kid he used to babysit and I mean, it's just everything is like, you know, what's a classic gag? Okay, how can we spin that in and, yeah. and try and have some hilarity ensue or whatever? I mean, it's just everything is so simplistically put together, and it, it's just so clearly rushed through so quick. What's really yeah. weird about it is that apart from, you know, probably Eugene Levy, who, uh, as I said while we were watching the movie, it actually just makes me sad now that he's in this movie. Yeah. But apart from him, even the people who are in this movie, like you're talking about, not everyone who's in this movie has exactly had their career take off. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of them, quite frankly, I don't even know if some of them I don't know if they've are into of acting. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if are, There are some people who are, you know, among the sort of mainish characters or on the fringes of the main characters right. that I don't even know if they act. Yeah. I, I certainly haven't seen them in anything. Right. Um, but even on that score, apart from Eugene Levy, who I thought, against all odds, gave a fairly interesting performance. He's steady. He's so good. Uh, I mean, he was the, the parts with him in it still were funny. Well, he actually, and not to jump in because I know you want to go with your thought, he actually had the emotional anchor of the film. He right. was dealing with the loss of his wife and Jim's mother, you know, and when he was upset, I actually, that was, I felt like pangs of, you know, right. I mean, it, like this awkward, like kind of, wow, this is what it's like when you lose someone you love. You don't know what to say to them right away. He's trying to deal with it. Jim's trying to help his dad, you know, and he's he's just so terribly awkward. I mean, even the little vignette moments of, of him trying to get his dad on online dating sites. Right. You know, kind of cute and cliche still, but it's Eugene Levy that that makes that work. Right. Anybody else would have made it horrible looking. Right. Especially, you know, that uh, that one scene, he, you know, he keeps changing his clothes. He's still (laughs) still always got the same clothes on. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and not just like once or twice either, but like ten times. Over and over again. still got all the exact same clothes that, you yeah. know, he got at Sears or whatever. Right. And it, no one else yeah. involved in this movie would have the slightest shot of making that work. Right. Like, the the people who are in it, there, there are a couple people in it who, you know, have gone somewhere and who are doing well. And... Um, the other people who we might think this is this is the the favor they're getting, which you know that just sounds like we're being mean to them. I no, think. and and I didn't mean it necessarily <laughs> dismissive as such, but sometimes that's but, that's how it works. Right. I mean, but even they feel uh, just appear in the movie like they couldn't absolutely care yeah. less if they were here or not. Yeah. Either they're like, okay, fine, I get to have a check well, for being right, in a exactly. movie. Exactly. Most but... of most of the characters, at least, I didn't see anyone missing. Um, that was a mainstay. They all show up in some way or another. From, um, you know, from Eugene Levy, who could have easily taken a pass and been like, "I'm tired after seven of these." Right. You know, well, thank you, but no. Right. You know, down to you, you know John Cho, he could have slipped away and said, "You know, I'm kind of busy. I got Star Trek. I'm doing." Right. You know, he could have been doing any number of things. But the Shermanator, you know, the most minor of characters. Right. And again, in another way, not to dismiss, when when I talk about stuff like this, I just mean I don't see these people on the TV or movie landscape. They could be doing important theater, 
off-Broadway or on-Broadway. Right. They could be so busy in realms of right. acting Who that knows? I don't know about. Exactly. But, but just in the immediate Hollywood scope of things, there are some people, I don't I don't know that he's ever done anything since, you know, American Pie. Right. And, they're, um, and they're that's not what we're on, talking about. That's exactly what we're trying to say, but again, not in an insulting way. Right. They're not on How I Met Your Mother and, right. like, big in the public eye. Right, exactly. In, in some way. Even if, you know, they could be doing far more interesting stuff. They could be doing in, in introdu- sense, they could right. be introducing theater to aboriginal tribes and changing lives. I just don't see them on my TV every week. So right, that's exactly. what I'm referring to. Right. So now that we, you know, that's the most interesting <laughs> thing we said yet about this movie. Is, well, um, it is to not talk about. Well, it. you know, okay, so if they follow suit and they've gone through the high school, the college, the wedding, don't the even, reunion. Don't even predict no, next, anything. Next, it's got to be. It, no, I'm telling you, I see it as it is now. Eugene Levy is not the character who does it, but there's going to be an American funeral, and there's going to be hijinks with stiffs. Uh, and I mean that. I mean that straight up. Stifler's going to have some necrophilia thing. There's going to be a lot of corpse jokes. You're going to get American Pie plus Weekend at Bernie's with a little hangover. This is going to be it. And maybe they'll steal from bridesmaids. There'll be a a funeral next to a wedding and people will get mistaken identities. This is going to happen. You mark my words on this. I'm telling you. This is going for it. And now it is. Well, now it is. Now that you jinxed it. Someone's going to listen to this and go, Duh, of I'll course we a, have to make that. I'll take a screenwriting credit. I'll come up with some ideas. I can put Stifler in a room with a stiff and make a pun out of that. Yeah. Although, you know, like I just uh, I just said that uh, nobody really seemed like they were interested in being there. And, um, you know, while I threw out How I Met Your Mother, I just think it's so bizarre. Here, This is the, uh, I think, level of screenwriting that we're in here mm-hmm. and the i think super simplistic mindset that's going on behind this movie that will that gives you the explanation for every bit of horribleness that you see is we have um the Allison Hannigan. Allison Hannigan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was gonna like, let you reach for just like, another second. I was. I was. Yeah, I'm like, I know. Looking up. You had that look in your eyes, like I know it, but and you know, she's like the whole thing of the movies, right? Yeah. She's kind of. I mean, she's not the mainest character because right. obviously that's the guy, but she is like the hotness of the movies. And when you have the first movie, right? I mean, she is the went to band camp, which yeah. I mean, if if there's anything that jumped into like pop culture, yeah, she was it around that time. You know, it was her in this movie and just the whole this one time at band camp. Yeah, I mean, uh, you so know, like the, 18 months. All I heard was there was this one time I at know. band camp, and oh my god, right. And the whole thing is that she's just like actually in her character in How I Met Your Mother. Her whole shtick, sort of, is that, you know, she's cute and she's, like, wholesome-ish looking and she's, you know, very, I don't know, in a, in a certain way she's kind of a safe attractive, and, but then at the same time she's hot. Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing with her is that it's like she's got this hotness that is, you know, not model hot, but, you know, girl next girl door next hot, hot kind yeah. of thing. And that, I mean, that's like her, her whole thing in this movie, in these movies in general. And in this movie, they've this is the simplistic attitude going at this movie is what we want to sell from the beginning is that they're not having sex that much, right? Right. So, boom, every time you see her for, like, nine-tenths of the movie, she's wearing the, like, frumpiest clothes. Yeah. They yeah. have somehow, like, magically added more wrinkles to her. They, you know, yeah. the, the special effects crew somehow has made her We're big Allison older. She, uh, she and that bad. I, I think she's I, – I think she's great, and I think she is probably a perfect example of the kind of, like, girl next door hotness, you know? I mean, but 
every time you see her, she has to look really horrible. When they go to the beach, she has to be like practically wearing a suit. Right. It was like a her hair. Her hair can't, you know, really be done. I mean, her hair has to look like she kind of just woke up and just put the kid to bed or something like that. She can't have any makeup on. She has to look as bad as possible. And because otherwise, it's like, how are we going to sell the right. idea that they're not having sex? Right. Surely, if she and it's it's so it's like insulting. I mean, it's like it's like really not understanding what you're trying to sell, but then selling it anyway. Right. I mean, because you know there are actually married people who are hot who have the problem of being in a relationship for a really long time or whatever. I mean, right. you, you don't, don't have to force it. You don't have to make it like, oh, she's not attractive anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's more yeah. interesting if she is more attractive. Right. Because then you're like, well, really, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with the two of you? And and the thing is, like, you know, this would be different if it was maybe a different person. If this was one of the actors who we had not seen very much of uh, over time – but everybody knows her. Right. I mean, everybody knows she's on How I Met Your Mother. You're not fooling anyone right. with your little <laughs> trickery. Right. And yet they have to do it anyway because they can't apparently, I don't know, wrap their mind around the idea we're not going to – it's not going to be believable that they're not having sex or, you know, whatever. I don't right. know. And then, you know, we get to the – actual reunion happening and there's been the fight and there's been like the you know really odd sex thing that she brings the paper bag of craziness and then we get to the reunion and we get to where they're actually going to have sex right Mm -hmm. and it's like she's had a shower for the first time in like 10 years and and then she shows up at the reunion and she looks hot again and now it's okay to have sex with her (laughs) and everything is better and right with the world and it's just that kind of thinking is sort of behind everything it's like what is the you know way we manipulate our kind of nonsense view that we want to throw out here in the easiest way and the most simplistic way you know whatever whatever the case may be i mean with even with um you know a lot of the stuff with eugene levy mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff with uh you know not every character gets as much time but the whole thing right. with um you know, the one guy's wife is always making him watch Desperate Housewives Kevin. or Gossip Girl or whatever. Yeah, Kevin. And so it's like the only time we talk to him, someone has to mention some really girly show that he has to watch. Right. It's like that's all we've got. That's what, you know, it's it's almost like that's what being whipped means. We've defined <laughs> it in like, in like the fact that you even know the name of that TV show. Right. And so everything is just so just so thrown together so fast and haphazardly that we go, I have no idea how else to sell this, so just put her in a giant moo-moo on the beach. Right, right. And when everyone is staring at the other girl who's in the bikini, right, And but you're watching it and you go, if she had a bikini on, I know she's hot. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's, it's working against itself even. I yeah. mean, it's not even that it's it's not even that it's bad and simple. It's like the writers just refuse to try. Yeah, and I think I think that, or or even I agree with that, and I agree. You know, I think also, excuse me, that either they refuse to try or they just don't know what else to do. Especially these this pair of writers. Um, in looking back again, like there are there's a million different comedians telling jokes in a million different ways. There's no one way to do it. However, the best way to do it for you is the best way to do it for you. Some comedians tell, you know, less is more. Like I'm only going to give you a hint and let you fill in all the blanks. Right. And other people um these guys can certainly when things are working well, they can certainly tell a series of like domino falling comedic situations and actions that precipitate even funnier things right after one another. But maybe the thing to think of if if this writing team, uh, this creative team, um, had any 
any input, it would be to maybe maybe reel back a little bit because what it seems that you do is you tell all the stories and all the jokes that are really funny all at once in a rat a tat tat kind of way. You don't it's okay to not give the audience time to breathe. Sometimes that's that's hilarious. If right. you just are just stupendously amused in three or five second increments. Right. But when you come back after a successful film and now you have to tell, you know, more and you have to top yourself because you had a guy screwing a pie or you had Harold and Kumar on the back of a cheetah, you know, whatever right. whatever you've done and now you have to best that. If you've wasted everything, if you've spent all your ammunition in the first act, in order to try to make that look impressive or funny, you're going to wind up undermining it right. and not doing it at all. And these guys don't seem to have that ability. They're running sprints, you know, instead of marathons. They don't have any pacing for their comedic talent. Right. But they can certainly come up with stuff. Um, I just think that they have a notion of not being able to rein themselves in. Right. And, I, you know, I think that's why I almost kind of had some hope for this movie because uh, I figured the movie would really be about, and now these characters have grown up. Right. And here's what happens. And what what's really what's really horrible about it, and, you know, I think what's really telling about America. Oh, here it, we go. Is that people like this movie, right? Yeah. And... <clears throat> You know, I, I hoped for this movie to be about what happens when these characters grow up. We've been thrown these characters. Now we're going to deal with them. And what happens now that they've grown up? And, you know, nothing. They're just older. They yeah. haven't grown up. They yeah. just have been around longer, just like this movie. It, <laughs> yeah. The movie hasn't, hasn't grown up at all. It's just 13 years old now. Right. Uh, or 13 years older. I mean, the characters. But... You know, just the fact that so many people really were okay with this movie when we went to see it. But then again, I mean, we we went to see it. it it's not like we went to see it with a randomly selected group of people who are forced to watch this movie. Right. I mean, we went to see it with people who chose to go see they, this, this movie. Their, this was their afternoon so, entertainment, and this was what they go. put their money behind. And, you right. know. So, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, that's some kind of random sample of the populace yeah, or anything. No, I get it's, it, it's, we're the only ones who were not there absolutely by choice. But. Well, I guess, you know, I, I guess out of everything, um, like we said a while ago, if you're if you're interested in seeing a movie like this, you know, there are other options. And there there are more funny options. If right. you're really invested in these movies, then you're gonna see this no matter what. You know, if you've got if you've got the first three films that right. were in the theater plus any one of the other four, let alone all four of the direct-to-DVD ones, then there's nothing that's going to stop you from going to see this. Right. You know, and that's cool. That's great. If you like this, then I'm I'm behind it. Um, but for me, there are other more funny alternatives to this out there, and there are more interesting characters who handled the awkwardness of growing older, you know, amongst right. other people who remember you when you were younger. There are better ways to handle that right. stuff. So I guess I give this... You know, I give it two stars. You know, there were enough funny moments in there late in the movie. Not many in the early part of the movie. Wow. Sitting through sitting through the first part of the film was really difficult. That's really generous, I think. I, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it two. I'm going to give it two out of five. I'm all right with that. No, I I think I'd probably give it one. I I I mean I'm I'm even leaning against the one. There really? was for me. There was like one funny part in the movie. <laughs> And I even I even said so as yeah. as we were watching the part where Stifler comes up and decks the guy. Yeah. Um, that was the only like even really interesting thing that happened in the movie. Everything else about the movie, whether it was the actual things they were trying to spell out as being funny, or you know the the plot and the kind of situation device that they were trying to create the movie out of. Anything that was good was really I brought it to the movie. The movie didn't give it to <laughs> yeah. me. You know, like I found it in well, the movie. And well, if it, maybe it makes more sense to say it like this. I'm not backpedaling or defending it, but if it's a you know if it's a five star system and if it were five grades, you know it would be like a C minus, which is just below average. Right. An average film. This you know was pretty close to it, and I liked it just below average. Wow. 
That's so much I better than I, I like. Yeah, I know you're basically giving it an F. That F is so. Plus. Yeah, no, I, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like one star. It was so. You know, nothing was funny. I didn't think any of it. Yeah, I, I didn't. I was, could see the funny. There stuff. was maybe I, like a minute or two. There was like one line here, maybe that that was kind of funny, but in the span of a whole movie that I have to sit through that yeah. that long, I just thought, yeah, I thought it was terrible. And not only that, but I mean, there there are other movies, you know, like I said, I I don't want us to be film snobs and I mean clearly you're not going to be the film snob because no, it's no. only slightly below average for you and I thought it was oh we can use half stars and th- oh okay wait. I, thought, no, it, I, I thought it was terrible uh, I will amend it to say this because I just had that flash of what you were saying one 1.75 stars not quite two I forgot we could uh, we could play around with the number system a little bit well sure I mean you know the quarter but of, I still liked it I still the quarter liked of a star no no no, no I understand much, but. I basically still enjoyed it twice as much as you did I I guess so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I could hardly sit through it seriously I was really just going why do I have to watch this yeah I thought it was terrible and and you know that's not to say like completely crazy stupid movies no. I'm, I'm not gonna like I mean like like I said you're not going to be probably so much the film snob but you know like The Hangover was good yeah the second Hangover I thought was pretty much garbage. I yeah. mean, it was just doing it again yeah. with very little overall effort and a lot of budget just because you could make some money. But, you know, I like the first one. But, uh, yeah, I just think overall this one was really Comedies. horrible. Even if you're going to watch it, I mean, right. you don't need to see it in the theater for any <laughs> no. reason well, this whatsoever. Is, this is, I, used to, I used to think of reviews as being like, go see it on a weekend night, you know, pay 8, right. 10, 12, whatever your local theater, you know, right. Miniplex is charging. Or it's an afternoon matinee, which is a smaller amount. Or it's a second-run theater, which we're thankful to have a couple of in the area, or it's a... Rented, you know, or it's a dollar night movie. Forget it all together. Or it's a or, wait until right. it's free on cable. And I used to think of reviews in that way, like, this is, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to tell someone to go out on a Friday night and drop $15 and see this film. Oh, my gosh. No, no, I'm using that, that as an example, as, <laughs> as like an A-plus film. Oh, okay, I got you. You know, this is not one of those films. This is one of those wait-for-the-second-run theater. If you can go on a dollar night, get it that way. If you have to wait for Redbox, get it that way. Right. Like, that's basically where my 1.75 star is. Is It's not worth seeing it in the main in the main uh, release of the theater. Right. you know, you got to wait for a second run or wait for it to hit video. Yeah, I don't, that's even better than... You'd like to just I, expel this from your mind and memory. I really would. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, look, as a whole, like what you said about The Hangover real quick, and I know we're, we're winding down on time, too, but, you know, comedies are a really hard thing to repeat. You know, any sequel to a comedy is really difficult to right. make work, whether it's The Hangover, whether it's American Pie, whether it's Beverly Hills Cop, whether it's anything that tried to do it again and again. Um that, which is why in some semblance, and I'm shifting gears a little, which is why in so many ways I think comedies are so easily more successful on television. And that even blows my mind because you have to do it every week, several weeks in a row, and then you get a little hiatus and you got to do it again. Right. So the really successful ones, man, that's a, that's a great crew. You've got a great writing team. Everything's working. But movies is really difficult. You know, they're, they're really, even if the box office suggests that it was a, an amazing time like The Hangover 2, not so much. It's just rehashed crazy stuff that they did already in the first film and right. did better. Well, see, that's that's the weird kind of double-edged sword or whatever of comedy movies um, because it is really hard to make anything as good as the first comedy, but it is so easy to make a lot of money on the second Absolutely. comedy. Absolutely. Because once you have the good comedy, <laughs> yeah. then, you know, everyone is going to see it. And then they may leave and go, wow, that was crap, but you already have their money. I mean, yeah. But people are just going to go see the next whatever. So, 
you know, when a studio is allocating their yearly budget of right. what they're going to put behind movies, it's like, well, you know, here's this big chunk change we're right. going to make. So let's get them. Yeah. Is there any film franchise now that has more? Are there more American Pie movies than Police Academy movies? Is there any? You is know, there any film franchise, and I don't mean horror films, because obviously there's 50 million Friday the 13th. But I don't even know. I mean, I guess I, if you, I guess if you count the direct-to-video things, yeah. and you know that that's a weird, there's see, a weird the, hydra of movies there. The thing is, if you start, if you're going to count the direct-to-video movies, then there's probably a lot of franchises that I'm not even really sure how many they have because. I don't even know how many I can't think of video any titles they've got. Well, I know the National Lampoon films did a bunch of direct-to-video, but those were all just one-shots. It wasn't like a right. It's not anything. Not like a Griswold the, family. It's not really the next. Right. I don't know. That's just something I thought of right there. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> okay. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, we've really talked about that movie more than anyone ever needed. We've to almost hear. talked about that movie as long as you saw the movie. You've been able to. You've not been able <laughs> to escape right. this movie for almost the same amount of time. That's right. That's horrible. So well, ne- next week. Uh, so yeah, actually, since um, I didn't even want to talk about this movie this long, um, because <laughs> you're gonna blame me for that. Because all right, I'm the only other seriously. guy here. Um, it looks like it, you know if we only have a few minutes left, we might as well talk about something, and it is <laughs> it is really looking like Cabin in the Woods. That should be fun next week, and that's I think kind of interesting in the preview take of it, maybe from us. I'm really interested to see it. I'm not sure that I have great expectations for it, but um, just on the one hand, it's Joss Whedon, and even when he does stuff that I don't like, especially it's, right. it's at least pretty interesting. Right? Yeah, he, he's at least. He's at least trying to do something, and if it fails, it fails, but it, he's at least not known for just going, here's some crap I can right. whip out and right. hopefully make some money, right? right. He's, he's trying to do something. Plus, I'm kind of interested to see it almost just purely on the fact that it, you know, it's been in the can for two and a half years, yeah. and, well, and now suddenly see, it actually gets me, out. That's what's got me a little nervous to see it. Like, I like Joss Whedon. I haven't seen everything he's ever done ever because I'm not that kind of fanatic, but right. I, do, I do like his work. I do trust him to do good work when he does it. You know, I'm still sad Firefly's not kicking around. I thought that was one of the best things. That, you know? was, that was pretty cool. I really love Firefly, um, but, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that what he will do and turn in will be interesting, but the fact that it's been shelved for a couple of years, you know, and the fact that I didn't like, I've seen, I think, two and possibly three trailers, and I didn't like any one of them. It didn't make me as interested in the film as Josh Whedon's name on it by itself did. Right. Which also, you know, kind of distracts me a little too, because I, I know you can throw anybody's name on something. Steven Spielberg has executive produced a million things, right. and it doesn't make them more gold. Right. Um, so I don't know. Well, you know, speaking of the trailer, here's the thing that I think is a little weird about it. And even if, like, like I said, uh, I, I'm very open to the idea that I might not like it much. Yeah. But I think it will still be interesting, even if I don't like it. Right. But the thing that I think is weird is it is actually the trailers, because you get – you know, ages ago we had one trailer that just made it look like kind of a completely straight, you yeah. lost in the woods horror right. movie. And everyone was like, oh, well, okay, hooray, right? And then, you know, more recently there's several trailers been hitting, and it it's like we know the gag. Right. Yeah, I know. This is, one of those, this is one of those awful instances where Hollywood is just basically – put out everything you need to know to watch the film in the trailer. I, right. It, it, it pisses me off. Right. So that's that's a crazy... I, I don't know. That's, it's a crazy thing about it, but I guess well, it does kind of pique my interest a, a little bit. bit. I, I am curious about it, but only because... Uh, no, I'm curious about it only because it's got Joss Whedon's name on it. Right. If it had, if this had Yui Bowles' name on it, you would be hard-pressed to get me to the theater <laughs> for it, because I'm not sure. curious about that at all. But... You know, I don't know if this is set in stone or not, but 
uh, Guy Pierce, who I always love to call him by his real name, Guy Pierce. He, you know, he's got a film coming out next week, right. out, and maybe that'll play. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I don't, it just, you know, Cabin in the Woods just seems like it's. It seems like it's it, the one to try the, because. The, uh, bit bigger thing. Yeah. But anyway, we need to wrap up. All right. Um, we only have a few seconds left on the live air version of this. Uh, so, you know, thanks for listening. If you showed up, thank you extremely. Thank you. Um, and, you know, if you're... Oh, you didn't mean me. Get, I if, you're, up. if you're getting this on the podcast, <laughs> then thanks for listening as well and uh, you know see us at rescreening.com and we'll be back next week with a new movie maybe not Cabin in the Woods (laughs) I was sort of thinking Cabin in the Woods thanks but that's it that's it I think so goodbye we have to end Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.